FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 310 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. I'm your, that's right. <laughs> I was so anxious about what I'm about to, anyway. <laughs> anyway, I'm your host, Dan Cole, and I'm joined once again by the Bros, Dan and Dan. And together, we uh-huh. are the uncanny multiple Dans. Hey guys. I see what you did there. Hey Dan, what's up? <laughs> So, how are the other Dan's today? All good. <laughs> hey Dan, which Dan are you? Are you like the uh, Bishop Dan? Are you like Omega Red Dan? What kind of Dan are you? I'm Festive Dan. Festive Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're on the same Christmas tree schedule, Dan. Yes. Uh, I think. I think. I think. Uh, it got to the first of December yesterday, and I was like. Me and Ian looked at each other and were like, we should put the tree up. We had lots of things to do yesterday, so we put it up today instead. Yeah. So. I believe you meant you and Dan looked at each other. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many Dans. So two. many Dans. Too many Dans. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm Modoc Dan. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to be... Um, oh, jeez. I'll be... Um, Jubilee Dan. That sounds fun. Well, technically, technically, I should be Psylocke Dan, because she's British. Yeah. Therefore, I might be like... Oh, right, right. Hell. Um, well, Dan, you better be saying stuff like wankers and bloody the whole episode, then. <laughs> she's bloody wankers. Uh, <laughs> oh, bless you. I'm guessing how many Danisms I can pull out of my butt for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, so, yeah, so we're here to uh, catch up on the Weekly Uncanny series um, and a couple other tidbits, but mostly the uh, the Uncanny series. Um, anything we need to bring up, Dan, before we move on to the comics? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan Prime says no. Okay. <laughs> Oh, he's Dan Prime? Oh, man. I wanted to be Dan Prime. Uh, I'm, I'm Dan Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, well, um, so Dan's going to kick us off with Uncanny Number 2, and then Dan will do Uncanny Number 3, and then Dan will do Weapon X-26, and then the Dans will get together and talk about a couple other things. Sound like a plan, Dan? Perfect, Dan. Sure thing, Dan. <laughs> hey, what's the uh, the Bob Newhart uh, group of, of brothers? Oh, that have uh, a I, I'm Daryl, and this is my brother Daryl, and this is my other brother Daryl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's an underrated show. It holds up fairly well. See, this is why I love my name, Dan, because it literally... Rhymes with man, and every superhero has man. That's <laughs> yes, so, right. Multiple Dan is such a brilliant. That's the title of an album that learned. 
<laughs> anyway, yes, Uncanny number two, um, written loosely, um, I imagine, <laughs> by Ed, Ed Brisson, uh, Kay Thompson, and Matthew Rosenberg, uh, penciled by R.B. Silver, um, inked by Adriano Di Benedito, um, color artist is Rachel Rosenberg, feces Joe Caramagna does the letters, and our cover is by Lennon Francis Yu and Edgar Delgado. And the cover is all of the multiple men with all of the powers mimicking the last cover, which was the uh, X-Men team. So we have, like, the good thing is that everyone looks the same. Right. Which, which is which is a massive bonus when you're drawing a million Jamies. <laughs> um, so, yes, we have Jubilee, X-23, uh, Cannonball, Multiple Man, and it's a cute little cover, I suppose. That's I the actually, best I kind of liked it. It, it made yeah, me. Like, I liked it more than number one. Sure, sure. Yeah. It's a nice little gimmick cover, but yeah. yeah, I actually, I actually prefer it to number one because it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And we are on the disassembled part two. I wonder if that um, little circle in the bottom of the disassembled logo will actually fill to ten. Oh, um, ten lines. <laughs> no new lines or Roman numerals. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Wait, 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 wait. Because part ten is X, right? Oh, and, and it looks like the X Men logo. So, Dan, yeah. why did you have to say something like that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, we're building up to the X Men logo. Oh, but but wait, the X Men logo, logo or the X Man logo? What what if the X Dan logos? When does that seem to indicate that we're being assembled, not disassembled? Like, if you end on the whole logo, seems kind of... Uh, I think we're overthinking. <laughs> we thought about this more than the creative team thought about this. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Those Dan's at Marvel have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> um, I need to absorb them all back into me, and therefore... That's <laughs> <laughs> that is a sentence I never knew I'd ever say. <laughs> anyway, um, right, so on the first page isn't even story. It's just a roster roll call um, with everyone that's in the book, loosely or not. Um, and then we jump into a army of multiple men growing like a plague of locusts on our planet. Um, hop, skipping and a jumping around the world. Um, the X-Men, meanwhile, are just having a nice tea, watching everyone else save the world on giant computers. Captain Britain is fighting a giant land shark, and that's the best thing that this book, <laughs> I- idea this book has ever had. Um, and they should totally run with that as, a, as an actual sort of spin-off. I want to see Captain Britain fight that shark for an entire issue. But anyway, <laughs> um, they're fine with watching everything go to pot. And then we have this beautiful, I think this is like my favorite panel, is the dinosaurs rushing towards those two civilians. Because I just really love it. I just I just love how like B-movie it is. And I love the yeah. way it's colored. Um, so we have a big old raw from that. And <laughs> I love how <laughs> they're still drinking tea um, or coffee. Just, you know, uh, shit's happening. Yeah, they're really calm about it. Yeah. Bobby and Jean are playing in Professor X's old wheelchairs. Um, <laughs> which I don't know how to I don't know how to deal with that. Um, and so 
they all have an idea, which is Rachel, why don't you try and like sort of find out where people are and what you know um, where Kitty is, and then it's like, oh dear, there's Madroxes everywhere. So let's assemble the team. And originally, Bobby was very upset because he wasn't going to fight the dinosaurs. Um, and then we jump to the two teams being separated, and we have Storm, Cannonball, Psylocke, Jubilee, Polaris, and Nightcrawler, which is a lineup I could totally get behind. Um, yeah. Off off to fight Madrox, and we have the lineup I really want, which is Gene, Bobby, Bishop. Well, mate, I'm not a big Bishop fan, but you can totally work in this concept. Um, Northstar, who is floating like a badass, and yeah, um, uh, Laura. Um, I want to call her Wolverine, so I'm going to call her Wolverine. Go and uh, Wolverine um, going to fight the dinosaurs. And the banter between Gene and Bobby is brilliant, which makes me think it wasn't written by Rosenberg. And then, cutting, <laughs> cutting away from that, we have the this uh, we have a Noel and um, uh, Edie on the beds. A Noel who has a healing factor is still injured, um, and the kids are all like they left without us. And um, for some reason, Armour's face is really weird. Um, <laughs> but yes, the kids are now really kids and no longer considered X-Men because they've been left behind. And then Beast is being weird and creepy uh, back at the laboratories that we first crashed into in the first issue. Uh, looking around there. Then Bamf! It's just a sea of <laughs> Madroxes and they all have superpowers, it would seem. And so our team, merry team of X-Men, led by Storm's best costume in a long time. Um, yes, yeah. the costume, not Storm, is leading the team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as they all sort of float, fly into the, the mass of Jamie's and start fighting. Um, and we have some really fun things. And um, I do like that <laughs> Jubilee is attacked by like being picked yes. up by a truck. Uh, the running gag fun. with her fighting mouth powers is pretty great. Right. Yes. And we have some great panels of them just just, just attacking and being attacked. And the panel with um, um, Sam being just sort of flying through them all is just a really fun sort of movement panel. I really like the way the, that was shown. And is it just me or does the panel with Storm being pulled down um, sort of evoke a certain something it evokes some sort of horror movie evil dead it reminds me of evil dead yeah, uh, yeah. Um, i think I also evokes good. like her history with claustrophobia all oh, right yes so that's a better analysis than mine um, no no i like yours i i think the evil dead day of the dead whatever is very uh apropos is that the right thing to say i don't know it is <laughs> good choice dan yes um Yes, Dan. Um, technically, all, <laughs> technically, all these opinions are my opinion. So that's right. <laughs> I wonder which part of your conscious is me. Like, am I the uh, wacky American cowboy part, or you know? <laughs> well, I'm the one from Texas, so right, right. I think Texas Dan gets the cowboy. You can get the uh, you're the actor, the struggling actor, Dan. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Um, so we're back in uh, where are we, Montana, and um, I love this group shot, I really do. I think Silver does a really good job in this mm-hmm. issue. Um, it, the art is just, um, it's not Azra wasn't proper Azra, uh, that sounds horrible. The, the last issue's Azra wasn't like amazing Azra, but this seems to keep 
like just punch the visuals a little bit more for me. Um, and I love the team shot, and this really sells this team as a visual like form for me. And I'm um, I'm always concerned when they go back to Spiky Iceman. Um, I don't know if I, but it works here for me. And so they fight they giant they fight dinosaurs, obviously. Um, where Bobby could probably do another Ice Age, he just is relegated to making a wall. Um, <laughs> but I do like. I do like how Bishop's just... I love the interplay between this group of characters. I really do. I think it's fun. It feels like an X-Men team having a bit of a laugh while fighting giant dinosaurs. Are you saying this issue sounds like it was competently written, Dan? Oh my goodness, maybe I am. (laughs) Let me me lie down. I'm not already good. Um, And then then, uh, a T-Rex eats Laura and Bishop's like, wait a minute, even though I feel like it should be Gene saying wait a minute to Bishop because Gene spent more time around Right. Laura. But anyway, um good good old classic sort of Wolverine out of the gut scenario. <laughs> um, and I, I just I just think it's brilliant. I think this entire section I could read this, whoever whoever wrote this, no matter who it was, I could read this team if it was like this this fun and bunchy like all the time. But yeah. uh, and then back at the institute where everyone and his dog is saying no more mutants, die mutants and the usual go home mutie scum. Um, and in the midst of this crowd, a random dude with really slick, greasy hair um, is approaching um, in a suit. Um, the kids, uh, I don't want to call them kids, the, the X-Men that have been relegated to children is their, <laughs> their, their, their new designation. Because some of them have actually been on the team longer than Laura. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, for example, Armour is a completely seasoned X-Men. Yes. But is, is treated like she's only just joined. Wasn't it just in gold where she was like a majorly featured X-Men character? <laughs> Shh, we don't talk about these things. Um, <laughs> and knock, knock. I have an ill-fitted suit. I've come to help you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Legion. I don't have a tailor. <laughs> no. Legion has appeared. with his. Gre- he's now got greased back hair and an ill-fitted suit. And he is here to save them. Save the day. And that is to be continued. That was the most like, um, oh boy, oh Jesus, I'm I'm only part partial Dan now, so my brain isn't functioning all the way. <laughs> um, who's the famous psychiatrist? Well, there was a very Freudian slip you did there, Dan, saying that the X Men are without a tailor now. <laughs> oh yes, yes. I actually thought about that, but didn't want to stop the. <laughs> the train. I thought they're without a Tom Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's my heart. It knows what it wants and knows what it doesn't. <laughs> so, so before we get too far, I do want to, um, you know, every year on this podcast we do the Wolvie Awards, and I think uh, we might have a contender for Snick to the Year, um, where Gene says, "No matter what, these things don't get into that town." We get an awesome double snicked, and Gene says, "Well said, Laura." I just I thought that was really really cool. Yeah. If it was just that team alone, I'd be giving this book very high marks because it, for me, the Gene team is my Gene team. Gene team is my dream team. That's, <laughs> That's a T-shirt. That like a title for something as well. So. That's a T-shirt. So yeah. <laughs> Denise is shaking her head. I'm sorry. Uh, Lady Dan is shaking her head at us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, yeah. 
this is yeah. like I went on kind of a little mini rant on on Twitter, but this is like an oddly competent and well drawn book. It's like a complete one eighty from the messy monstrosity that was the first issue. I I won't lie. I I was a little like meh at the end with with Legion showing up, sure. but until those last three pages. I enjoyed the heck out of this book. Um, I think the art is fantastic. Like as much as Azrar kind of turned in his C game in issue one, like Silva brings his A game, and the colors with Rosenberg and Silva together, like this, these pages just pop. Uh, sure. It looks great. Uh, the banter between the characters is great. It feels like X Men. Even the part of Bishop, like, just shooting guns at dinosaurs as if that's going to do anything. <laughs> but but it still is just a fun, like, because you have Gene, like, floating in the background telling everybody what to do. And Bishop's like, wham, 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 <laughs> just shooting at dinosaurs, you know, on a little hunt, hunting trip. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to know who wrote it. Because I know they'll all tell you, we all wrote it. But someone has put pen to paper on, like, one person would have, would have fronted this section. Because, like, the right. idea that they're just sat in, in wheel, like, Gene and Bobby are literally sat in wheelchairs. Like, they're literally sat, they look like wheelchairs. I know they're not, but I feel like they're just sat in old Professor Xavier wheelchairs, just taking the piss while right. they're drinking their co- coffee. I don't know, it just feels, it feels like X-Men. It did. I, mean, like. I had kind of an argument on Twitter about how they're actually writing all these, and I think in the first issue you can tell, I mean, the first issue there are explicitly certain sections that are written by certain people, but even the main story, you could kind of tell where it was sort of parceled off. But for me, this issue feels like Rosenberg's like, this is the issue I want to tell. Like, this is a story I want to tell. And then Thompson came in and, like, wrote the dialogue and the fun bits. And well, I'm not... uh, You're from L.A., Georgie. Uh, it feels like Thompson punched up the script. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, everything that's Iceman and Gene feels like Thompson. Like, if you're reading Mr. and Mrs. X or West Coast Avengers, th- this sticks out as like, oh, yeah, this is Thompson's writing. Um, to, to be fair, the weirdness of it, like the, the, the choices of powers feels like Britain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the weird, like the weird ideas, like the giant shark and stuff like that feels like Britain, like the dinosaurs from his, his, his sort of indie work. Right. Like, <laughs> it feels like Britain. So maybe the, the, the maybe they've like Britain brings the crazy Thompson punches the script and Rosenberg does the main through line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, like, if they kept it this way, I'd be okay with it. Oh, I'd be more than okay with it. I, yeah. I mean, you know, I really, I really wrestle with myself when I got through with this book. I read it, I put it down, I waited a little bit, I read it again, and put it down. I really wrestled. Did I like this because I hated number one, <laughs> or did I like this on its own merits? And I really, I really think for the most part, I, I actually think I enjoyed it on its own two legs so to speak i mean i i feel like this is just good x-men comics where throw the credit where you want or whatever but i mean sure. i you know i just i feel like it, it worked really well it flowed really well the characters interacted really well it looks beautiful um you know i even even starting with like that first page and like the satellite shot of multiple mans exploding like in Kansas like like Dan said kind of looks like a like a plague of locusts or something like a swarm like it just 
don't know, just everything and, and to beast. So it seems just like, do they like build like hanging upside down pedestals into the new school so he can <laughs> kind of have that? To, just to for him on. and Nightcrawler to have yeah. places to hang. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Legion needs yeah. to go see Beast Taylor because Beast suit looks good. <laughs> <laughs> Because going back, going back to the first page of uh, Madrox, I do like the fact that the the prime Madrox that you see is literally pushing another one to the ground so he can leap over them. <laughs> like, right. And there's right. like there's one that literally looks like it's being crushed. Like they literally look like they are in a movement. Like they're they're not yeah. just a static shot of. It, it feels like they're like um. Have you ever seen? Is it what's that horrible movie with Brad Pitt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, yeah. where they're sort of like crawling over each other. Yeah. So I just had a kind of an epiphany, and sorry to jump in, but two things here, or maybe three. So we know that the Age of X-Men is coming, which is kind of an Age of Apocalypse ripoff, right? And tying into that, Legion was the reason the Age of Apocalypse started, because yeah. he wanted to go back and kill Magneto so that his fa- like Professor X's dream could come to fruition, but he ended up killing his father instead by accident. And so Age of Apocalypse happens. So in this issue, Legion saying, no, I'm trying to stop the bad thing from happening feels very much like aping off of Age of Apocalypse in that story beat. At the mm-hmm. same time, in Age of Apocalypse, Apocalypse had like this giant army of like uh, just soldiers, which were Jamie Madrox's dupes, if you guys remember. They were yep. sort of like mindless, soulless dupes that were created. Uh, and, and Jamie Prime was like chained up in like a, a cell in like some basement somewhere. <laughs> oh, wow. So, really? Yeah. I so this really that. does feel like just taking pieces of Age of Apocalypse well, and reusing but, them. I right, see so, that drags down the ship a little bit. Yes. Doesn't it? <laughs> to, light, to, light, to, lighten it, to lighten its load, can we please just talk about the page where it's the two teams arriving because the color work and the positioning is just amazing like even from like we me and Georgie had just done um uh, our previous uh, we literally just recorded our podcast and we were talking about like uh one of the artists on one of the books like his close-ups are better than um his group shots um and i think here's an example of where group shots really work with really limited um, detail mm-hmm. like the top panel with um, Storm's team using just color as a as a as an identifier, and right. I just can't I cannot get away get get around how how lovely I find Jean's team's little sort of pose because they're all posing even though Iceman's sort of trying to jut his bum out at the camera. <laughs> um, he's trying to match Jean's pose. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just I just love it and I love the because um, I was always worried that in someone else's hands. Laura's physicality would she would become more slender, um, and more and more feminine. Where she she's not butch, but she's 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 got like masculine features. She's an af- athlete, and right. I love the fact that the Silver's got that, even at right. like the distant shots. Um, and I, I just, visually, I think this book is just so good in so many places, and it just there's just classic X Men poses and moments, and it's just yeah, this is this is this will be the best. No, no, my look. This would be the best part of the entire ten issue run, and it only just goes catastrophically wrong from now on. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, Texas Dan definitely said it best. Silver brought his A game. Yeah. Yes. No, the only thing I would say about because I agree those team shots are pretty great. 
Uh, the only thing is, didn't Nightcrawler ever see those uh, PSAs about, no, you don't play with power lines? <laughs> <laughs> no. I... <laughs> you know, maybe, I guess, I guess I'm showing my age. It was like Louie yeah, the light bulb when walking, using like an anthropomorphic light bulb and he'd walk around. Uh, maybe it was just a Texas thing. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> You can walk around and give PSAs about, like, you know... You know, there was a G.I. Joe one about this, too. I, I wonder if in the 80s, power lines just fell down all the time. Because both of these were, like, loose power lines that, like, fell off of the pole or, like, plopping around in the street. I don't think that happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it used to happen back then. But anyway, the light bulb said, you know, you don't play with power lines. So Nightcrawler needs to uh, be careful. Sure. But one thing I do notice, do you know that they're, that, like, they're all landed? And then in the next panel, they're like dropping in on the Jamies again. For some, for some <laughs> oh, they're all bamfing in on him, yeah. Yeah, he bamfed. Yeah. I remember when he couldn't bamf everyone, and he's like, it hurt me. It's too many people to strain. And he just oh, he's, out. Got beard, he's got beard power now. Yeah. <laughs> beard makes everybody stronger. I, just, I do love that they just glo- they they just gloss over whatever upsets any character depending on the need of the story these days. <laughs> yeah, but that shot of like sticking the tractor in the middle of that group shot and having one multiple man sitting on the tractor that was mm. pretty great. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, great, great, great artwork. Yeah. All right, well, what else? Oh, you're talking about the Bantor, the part, you know, because it is kind of a Wolverine trope to, like, get eaten and cut yourself out of the stomach. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the dialogue really makes gives it kind of a fresh feel. Uh, where Gene's like, everyone, X-23 just cut away up from inside a T-Rex, so you're going to have to up your game if you want to take the MVP title for today. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, but shouldn't Laura lose points for being eaten in the first place? Well, I mean, you can try telling her that. Pass. <laughs> like, I don't know. And just... <laughs> no, it feels like real, like, different characters talking uh, right. and having fun, and it feels like someone who understands characters. I don't, I don't know how much I need to stress this every time we read this uncanny book, but, you know, when you have a, a writer whose focus should be on the characters and how they interact, it'll make even a whole home book like stick out. Not that this is a whole home book, but these moments really make this book shine. Yeah. All right. Well, Dan, what do you want to give issue number two? I'm going to go with how far do we go? Five. I'm going to go with five. At first, I literally forgot how, what number I could go up to then. Um, yeah. <laughs> I give it five because I really enjoyed it. It felt like an X Men book, and it was fun, and it looks great. Yeah, I agree. All right, what about you, Dan? Uh, yeah, actor Dan is going to give this um five out of six claws as well. Yeah. Uh, some mi- minor quibbles, and even those things I brought up about Age of Apocalypse don't really affect this issue. Um, they're just things that that stuck out to me after the fact. But right, great, great artwork, uh, wonderful colors. It's fun dialogue. If every issue was like this, I, I mean, 
the, the only thing I would say is it feels like an event book in that we're focusing too much on an event and not enough on what what's great about the X-Men, which can be, you know, what does it mean to be an X-Man? But aside right. from that, it's it's just wonderful X-Men comics. That's interesting. Not to not to blatantly disagree with you, but I would I would agree with that sentiment for this the series as a whole. I feel like this issue escaped some of that a little bit, but but I'm right there with you guys. I'm gonna uh, this Dan's gonna give it five out of six claws, and I mean border borderline. Well, no, no, five out of six. It's a nice, really good, solid book. So, all right, well, uh, L.A. Dan, why don't you take us into Uncanny Number Three? Uncanny X-Men number three. Every creative person is the same except the artist is Yildre Sinar, who wrote Weapon X. Drew, yeah, Drew some Weapon sorry, X. Sorry, Drew it. Weapon yeah. X. Um, and uh, even, the, even the color, uh, sorry, the cover artists are the same. Even, However, I am less enthusiastic about this cover. Uh, I don't we like have, it. Yeah, we have Legion... <laughs> Unzipping his suit to reveal <laughs> the other half of him on on the right side, with Jean and Bishop sort of uh, in action behind, where Jean's hair has sort of a Medusa mind of her own. Um, and on his, pony. yeah, 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 exactly. And on the right side, we have Pixie and uh, Rockslide, sort of just just chilling in the background. I I don't feel like this is a well done cover. No, the only only positive about it is that, like, the two faces of Legion and how the characters are behind him. So, like, this nice, suave Legion that's trying to smooth talk the students Mm -hmm. versus the Legion that Gene and Bishop know from experience. That's an interesting idea, but I don't think the execution of this is very good. Nope. And, you know, Dan and I talking about uh, one of the issues we just read for Excalibur. One of the Excalibur issues had a lot of just like empty backspace, and that's what this cover reminds me of as well. Just like empty, empty backspace, and we'll just splash some color on it to it's sort like of... tie dye. Like yeah. why have they tie dyed the background? <laughs> it's the Northern Lights, baby. <laughs> okay, Jeeves. <laughs> uh. All right, so uh, we're jumping right into it. As a Gene's dream team uh, are, are fighting X Men, and right away the dialogue feels a little bit lackluster. Um, and they're they're swiping and cutting, and there's a nice shield going up. And Bishop, uh, some of the, one of the dinosaurs gets to pass the ice wall. Uh, Bishop uses his energy blast to like destroy its feet, I guess. Um, and the dinosaur almost kills someone who had a God hates muties. Sign. Bishop goes to pick him up, hands him his sign, stares at him, and then the human says thanks. And it's the most like heavy-handed, uh, <laughs> like racism is bad series of panels I've seen in a while. Uh, I really dislike those panels. <laughs> Any comments? <laughs> uh, the only thing I would say is it it kind of rang true to Bishop. Like he like help the guy, hand him a sign, and just be like. I'm Bishop Badass. Look at me. <laughs> and the guy's like, uh, thanks. <laughs> so, um, can we, do, guess... can we officially only say Bishop Badass when we talk about Bishop now? 
That's yes. a, okay. Sure. So, like, I have a question. Um, it's to do with like, how, what is Bishop Badass's like energy made of? Is it heat? Because he literally melts the dinosaur's feet, or is it what? What? Or does he just trip it? I don't. I don't know what he does to the dinosaur. Um, I feel sorry for the dinosaur, though. We have just seen one have a chest burst moment. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, Go ahead. Talking about talking about the dialogue. um, Instantly, it feels different because, like, the comedy immediately drops like a lead balloon on the next page. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, carry on. Um. So, uh, yeah, Iceman kind of has like a jokey thing with Bishop, which is not funny. Um, and Gene contacts Storm to see what's up. And Storm and her X-Men have decided that they're just going to like kill all the Jamie dupes because X-Men are all about killing people. I don't, I don't understand that. I never, I just don't get it. They're not people, they're dupes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that makes it okay. <laughs> so uh, back at the ex- Xavier Institute for Mutant Education and Outreach in Central Park um, they decided to invite Legion in um, uh, the, the ex-babies decided to invite Legion in <laughs> yeah um, and Jean decides she, she's going to take her dream team to help out Storm's team um, and they dive in to fight all the uh, the dupes, and we get sort of a recreation of a panel that we saw uh, from issue one of uh, Weapon X killing other dupes, and Gene's being like, no, I'm having deja vu, what does this all mean? And right away, even though that Azra art from issue one was kind of hurried and maybe like his B game, still stands head and shoulders above whatever Sinar is doing here. Um, I do not like E. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, but you know uh, people are getting injured and Gene's like with my crazy Medusa hair I need the British Psylocke to help me do stuff uh, we're going to come back to the X-Mansion where Legion's like you have to stop them from doing stuff with with, with, with Jamie there's, there's something going on you don't understand I need, I need adults no more kids uh, cut back to the fight and of course Jubilee gets impaled because the fun action turns into gruesome, and wouldn't you know it, the Asian woman and gay man are the ones that get injured and taken out of the fight. <laughs> so, great job, Rosenberg and Brisson. I'm assuming this is Rosenberg. Um, uh, Nightcrawler sort of like takes them off to the side so they don't get hurt more. Gene and Psylocke touch hands, and they are able to stop the dupes uh, who collapse. And then they realize where Jamie is. Cut back to the X-Mansion. And Legion is having uh, a fit. And he becomes the long-haired, but raised up long-haired Legion we know. He takes out the X-Babies quite easily. Uh, Jean and her team go underground. They find Madrox, who's chained up in a cell. uh, Very similar to (laughs) Age of Apocalypse. Um, And then they all decide they're going to fly back. to the X-Mansion, we cut over to Hank, who coming back from that construction site, nothing's really revealed from that, so I'm glad we had that scene. Um, he sees some, some some fighting going on. Our X-Men jump back in. They start fighting Legion, and Legion's like, you don't understand. I was trying to save everybody. And Jean's like, save them from what? 
these people. And then we get these the crazy messiah uh, acolytes of X-Men with uh, Blob, Magneto, Angel, and Omega Red, whose arms and legs are now just tendrils, which was an interesting design choice. Yeah. Uh, and, and Magneto's like, look, you guys, you X-Men are bad, so I need to stop you, and I'm going to blow up your house again. End of the <laughs> issue. Yeah, so the, the four horsemen of salvation. Yeah, which I'm, I'm glad, once again, if we're recycling ideas, we can might as well recycle the idea of blowing up the X-Mansion again, because this is only like the fifth time this has happened. Fifth? I'm thinking you're dropping a couple of zeros off of that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, on the whole, obviously, artwork, this is a, a big step down. So, uh, yeah, there are a handful of pretty good pages. Um, as much as I agree with you, I don't really love them just kind of killing the dupes. That page of Storm's team, the full page, actually looks pretty good. I thought I really liked, like, Storm's play with the shadow, and I thought Nightcrawler looked pretty good. Um and if you skip a little bit, <laughs> um, let's see, where is it? There's a, do, 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 do. There's a page of Gene's team falling out of the sky. And Iceman is kind of doing a silver surfer pose in the front of his ice slide. Like, I think that page looks pretty cool, too. Um, and then the rest of it is... So two out of twenty-four pages are not bad. Is what you're saying? <laughs> well, no, I would I would say two out of twenty-four are good, and the rest are not great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, to be fair, this isn't the worst artwork we've ever seen. Uh, no, and it's and it's not as bad as the artwork we saw in issue one. I agree. Um, and I think it's better than a lot of his Weapon X artwork, so I think he's gotten better. <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I stopped reading that book. <laughs> uh, but artwork aside, this feels like a, a, a tonal shift uh, from issue two, which like felt fun and energetic and, and enjoyable. This felt like a, a, a dull slog through some fighting. Um, yeah. I mean... Dan Prime, what do you what do you feel about this book? So I've got like a few ideas um, or, or thoughts. Uh, the last book was like vibrant and really bright, and obviously Rosenberg is on both. Um, I think Rosenberg is hindered by the fact that um, it is so heavily inked and relies on bl- yeah. black to define it, which instantly makes the book from sort of like a, a bright, fun but still slightly serious issue two to a weirdly darker tone, which doesn't go well with the fact that they're slaughtering Jamie's and um, doesn't really work with this whole, like, why why is she, why is Jubilee impaled? And then, like, there's a few things that make no sense to me. Um, or, or maybe I've, I've, I've just lost the plot. Right. So, Salok is is English now, right? She's in her British body, yet she still is drawn like she's Asian and coloured like she's Asian, right? Which makes no sense to me because right. she's drawn and coloured similar to armour in this. And I've literally flipped through it again to see if the eyes are different on Jean and that, but no, like armour and Psylocke share the same characteristics of, you know, they've got all the same Asian characteristics. And so I'm like, is she British now? Maybe- Maybe not all the artists got the memo. 
Um, so it that's doesn't just feel like, yeah. like how Samick used to be drawn, at least. Yeah. It, it does feel like there's an artistic change to how she's being drawn, but yeah, I right. will agree. She doesn't look the way that uh, that she did in issue two, or that she appeared in other books after she went back to her original body. That's for sure. Yeah, and like there's some panels that I do actually like, but I feel like the black of it all sort of ruined. Like I do like uh, Polaris ripping off the uh, um, the, door? the doors and then, yeah. and then walking down. But I think the blackness of it all sort of just just sort of hinders what could have been more interesting, vi- sort of vibrant. Um, I didn't know Bobby didn't even know who Legion was. That really like blew my mind. <laughs> like I was like, wait a second, what? And then yeah. there's like this weird explanation that he's trying to. Re- I was like, that must have happened some other time. But that's a piece of information that should really because the kids recognized him in the next. You know, I, the kids I, right. seem to recognize him. I think that like, happened in the Legion book, but I didn't like, read it all, so I'm not sure. But if the kids recognize him, and, and a few X Men do, I'm like, well, like, I don't know. Anyway, um, maybe did the kids recognize him, or he just tell them who he was. I'm sure Armor. I'm sure Armor was kind of like, "Oh, he's like dangerous. Let's get him inside." Oh, okay. okay. Um, and then they have to like do this. It only seems to be maybe it's like like Star Trek films, and like you know the odd ones are going to be shit, and the evil ones are going to be good. Um, <laughs> but in 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 two we didn't see the kids as much, but the dialogue for them saying about them being left behind, although the facial expressions were a bit over the top, the dialogue was a bit more naturalistic, yet they are just hammering this this home that, the you know, the the, the um, armor and her fellow X-Men, I'm just going to call them X-Men, because that's what they are, um, they're all being, like, thrown, thrown out of the battle, being left behind, and I feel like it's so heavy-handedly done that the moment that they turn on the rest of the X-Men, which they will eventually turn on the rest of the X-Men and go live with the Brotherhood, the, the not Brotherhood, the Salvation dudes, um, it just, it won't seem like a surprise. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. It would seem like, actually, yeah, they probably deserve to have a better life um, somewhere else. And I think that there's a lot of dialogue choices that sort of just drop exposition and then a joke. Like it's exposition, then we'll have a joke, then exposition, and then we'll have a joke. Like it's doing like the Marvel movie sort of idea of how to tell a story, but not as savvy. Um, I just think there's a lot of like, yeah, no, well, yeah, that's true. And I, the only good thing, the, the only thing that has made me think about this book is who is who? Who is the horseman of life, wellness, and bounty out of the three people that I don't know? Like, I want to say Blob is Bounty, but is that like fat show? <laughs> and I feel bad for saying that. And I'm like, how can a how can be how can Omega Omega Red is clearly wellness because he'll give really good massages with all of the tentacles. So, <laughs> well, they, yeah, or is Angel because he used to have healing powers? True, but then could he be life because he was he was death? Oh, true. Um, yes, right. you're right. That probably makes more sense. Or Omega Red could be life because he had death spores. Hmm. And then, then it's like, yeah, true, actually. And then it's like, um, I'm the I'm the husband of peace. Boom, there goes your mansion. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you gotta like, love pacifists who violently destroy violence. It just feels mm-hmm. a bit sort of like, hi, I'm I'm a really shoddy ripoff of Gandalf, and I'm <laughs> gonna blow your mansion up. Because and it, it, 
It's as played by. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, kids. Um, and I feel like um, much like the first issue, where it was so obsessed with playing this idea of like, it's not what you think, it's not what you think. Um, it feels like that ending's like, oh, it's not. What they, you see, they're not actually good, even though they're they're named after good things. Look, boom. And I'm like, oh god, it feels like a child has sort of like gone back. I think the message of this book is that there are no good things. Yeah. (laughs) The message is we we can't have good things. (laughs) It's it's uncanny X-Men nihilist. (laughs) I don't, don't, because like, if you look at um, the um, Silver designed all of the New Horseman uh, costumes, and they look good on, in that kind of, not I'm not saying that um, Sinner's interpretation is, is, is bad, it's just their impact is there was no impact to their their arrival because no. of the way it's drawn and the way it's colored and the weird smoke on the floor because one of them's farted. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like I, I it just it doesn't have an impact. I, I'm sorry to go on. I just, I just don't understand how we've gone from issue two to to this. Um, and it's not even like the visual problem. It's the storytelling has, has oh, changed yeah. oh, dramatically. Yeah. I um. What do you think is an Omega Red's fanny pack? I forget you call them fanny packs. Um, <laughs> what do you call? Fanny means something very different in, in England. <laughs> what is it, a vagina well, pack? Is fanny mean bum, like bum yeah. or ass? Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. We call them bum bags, so we basically call them the same thing. <laughs> I love that. I am using that exclusively. Uh, for now and forever, bum bags. <laughs> oh boy! But doesn't doesn't Omega Red kind of the look on his face sum up how I feel about the book? Um, yeah, he's like, oh, ah, I have to be what yeah. am I doing? I'm Blob. I'm like, huh? <laughs> what's going on, <laughs> Red? How did I get here? <laughs> Omega Red's like, I'm 35. What am I doing with my life? I don't get it. <laughs> Blob's got a cane. Yeah, he Blob's... does. Or does he? Wow. I can't tell. Could be a cane. He could just be holding onto the smoke for all I know. Um, <laughs> Let me grab this. No, no. If you look at Silva's design, he has a cane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. I don't want to jump ahead, but this isn't going to get a good scar from me. Well, I think we're kind of at the score. Like, I don't have anything else to say. Do you? Yeah. Uh... Texas no. Dan. No, Texas Dan is good. Um I'm gonna split I'm gonna put this uh, I think I'm gonna go when when we all gave number one two. I, yeah, I, I think wanna, so. Oh, did did no. we say two? I wanna say I said one. Oh uh, you may have, George, uh, Dan, you might have. Um so yeah, I'm gonna give this. Oh gosh, uh, y'all go first. Other Dan's go first. I need time to copy one of you. <laughs> I'm gonna give this a two. Uh, it's not as bad as issue one, uh, because those backups were atrocious. Uh, not, right. not not that the main story was that great to begin with, but those backups really killed it for me. Uh, the artwork is a definite step down. The storytelling is a mess. I don't. I'm not engaged in any way. Uh, and it. it just feels like this is the kind of event storytelling that I I don't need. So this is a a two for me. 
it's like that moment in a restaurant where someone else's plate of food or issue two in this example has walked past <laughs> you and you've been like that looks amazing and then you get like just uh, an uncooked trout put in front of you and you're, like, <laughs> you're like it's not bad and it's nutritious but what the hell am i supposed to do with this um and that's how i feel about is- issue three and that's why it's gonna get two two out of six. Oh gosh um I'm kind of in that neighborhood of two, but based on Dan's logic, since I gave number one a two already, and I think this is a a slight step up from the first issue, I'm going to do a very low three out of six clause. And plus, that's fair. I mean, I don't know. I I didn't really dislike it. I just didn't really care. Um, I just wanted to read number two again. And then I wanted Thompson and Silva to do all the rest of the issues. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I could totally get behind that book. I would buy that book every week for a little while. So, as long as it's called Gene's Dream Team as the title. Yes, right. With an X somewhere along, along the way. <laughs> okay, well, that's our catch-up on Uncanny X-Men uh, very quickly. That may be the only Dan that read this. Uh, Weapon X number 26 uh, is uh, Weapon X-Force Part 5, written by Greg Pak and Fred Van Linty. Art by Luca Pizzari and Roberto Di Salva. Colors by Frank Diamarda. Letters by uh, VCs Joe Caramagna. And the cover is by Raza. And on the cover we have Zazel busting through a saber-tooth stained glass window. Mm. And it's okay... But it's so dark, you can't really tell what's going on. Um, so basically, the Weapon X team goes to hell because they keep killing Stryker and he keeps coming back. So they made a deal with Azazel to be sent to hell so they can kill Stryker's soul in hell. But Azazel stuck them all in some kind of lifeless limbo so that he can turn their healing factor back on when they're done and they'll all undie. Um, Sabretooth's version of Hell was kind of interesting, but as soon as we leave that and go into the actual story, I completely lost interest. Um, did anybody else read this? I did, and I just feel like it's dying a really slow death as a comic yeah. book. Yeah, it is. So I abstain. Yeah, it's fine. So two out of three Dans are going to give this two out of six quads. Is that my prediction? Yeah. That right? Okay. It's not terrible. It- it wasn't terrible. It just—it's like watching, like, a, a like a, a poor animal sort of slowly crawling to its own grave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like watching your infant fill up a diaper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, also, <laughs> Astonishing X Men Seventeen caps off that series. Um. Any just kind of overall thoughts on... I mean, I think we had... So starting with issue 13... Yep. When Rosenberg and Lance uh, came on board, I think they all... Uh, there weren't any fill-ins or guests or anything. Like, they they did their arc in completion. Um, so any just kind of overall thoughts on their astonishing arc? I guess, was that five issues they did? Yep. Dan Prime, maybe you want to go first? I might huh? be a little long. 
<laughs> Yours is going to be a little long, is it? Um, okay. Um, aren't we all the same size? Anyway. Um... <laughs> Everything's bigger in Texas, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Texas forever. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like there was a like a, an idea. I sound like Fury then. Um, there was an idea, but it didn't go well. The Avengers didn't form. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, there's an idea there that could work, but the cast was so disparate between mm-hmm. each other, but they sounded the same a lot of the time. Artistically, some of Land's best work, and also yeah. some of Land's most trademarky work, Dazzler. Um, <laughs> and I feel like it didn't know where it was going. And then it was just over immediately. And, like, what was Alex's heroic point of view by the end of it? That if he sacrificed something, people will think he'll be part of the gang again? I don't... It just seemed... Yeah. It seems like someone who used to be an Avenger and lead an actual team that even Captain America sort of stepped aside for, then was suddenly destroyed by editorial for that weird access thing, and then was turned back to being normal by Cullen Bunn. Kind and of. Then, kind of. And then... Um, Attempted. <laughs> got, his, got his beauty back, and has totally forgotten that he used to date Wasp and had a kid with her in an alternate dimension, but that used to be a driving force of his personality for ages. And then all of a sudden, he's like this wise-ass dude that no one gives a shit about yet i'm sure that people cared for him at one point i don't know it just doesn't seem right and then at the very end he's like i'll turn myself in because now people will love me and then and then kitty has the most half-hearted we don't leave an x-men behind and then i can just see them all close the mansion down and be like kit we'll leave him because <laughs> <laughs> that's how it felt it feels like the whole book is just like kit we don't care but that yeah. day again that my thoughts. It doesn't feel like anyone cares. Yeah, I don't know where this book was going either. It's like he wanted to do like a like a B level. We're, we're, we're kind of the underachievers, but there was they didn't really go anywhere with it either. Uh, all the characters as you mentioned sound the same. At least Land, for the most part, was like on for the series, uh, even though he got you know over sexualized. That's like a good bit. Outside of that, he was like put, putting in some good work. I just don't feel like, as you mentioned, what was the point of, of these five issues? Why did this story need to be told? Because, um, as you mentioned, Havoc used to be, even in the 90s when he was leading X-Factor, was known as like a competent leader, right? Uh, a trusted X-Man. And then he's, he's leading the Avengers and, you know... Suddenly he's bad, okay, and then he's good again. And it's not like we haven't had other X Men characters who turned bad and then came back good, and they weren't accepted. But Havoc can't be accepted, so we're just gonna make him like a lovable loser instead of exploring like him delving into the things he did when he was evil and like seeking redemption. He's just gonna be like a sixteen-year-old teenager who's gonna get like some friends together, get in a car and like throw eggs and like toilet paper at the neighbors' houses. And then <laughs> when the cops finally catch him, he's like, "All right, 
I'll save my buddies and turn myself in, and then we're cool, right? And then X-Men are like, you know what? He's not a bad guy. I don't no, – no, that's not the redemption arc. That's him, like, writing graffiti and getting caught and saying, yes, it was me. I don't <laughs> – there's no <laughs> – if this is – and so it, the way that it ends also feels like, well, Rosenberg's – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually give him redemption in Uncanny later on. Because it just sort of ends, and they're like, well, no, he's really an X-Man, but is he? Because you can think, treat him like that. Yeah. I think I think when Cyclops comes back, Cyclops is going to go save his brother, and the Summer's brother is back again. Um, this is going to be how that ends. Um, so a highlight, that double-page spread, of Dazzler like blasting the Sentinels after she absorbs like Banshee's sonic scream and just power lights the Sentinels to scrap metal is a pretty great page and those colors are fantastic. Um, you know, however we get it, I'm glad to have Banshee back, even if it's weird Tom Penny Banshee. Um, <laughs> And Tom Petty at the end of his career, where he's a little bit, you can see the the drugs have taken a toll, and right, right, right. <laughs> he's aged a little bit, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, you know, Havoc is hard for me because I like him a lot, and I don't mind him being. I mean, he's always been more more fun, quote unquote, than like not as much, quite as much of a stick up his ass as Cyclops. Sure. This seemed to go a little far the other way. You could chalk that up to Rosenberg saying that, well, you know, he's been through a lot and isn't sure where he is or who he is. But also, you know, I like Remender a lot. I think one of the things I hated was Alex being inverted. Like, I never cared for that, and they've never done it. Like, his character has been wrong ever since. Right. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't mind him having some fun, but I agree with you, Georgie. Or I'm sorry, Dan. Um, and it just kind of seems like at the end he's like, well, you know, it's like it reminded me of a story. So when I, I was when Texas Dan was in high school band, um, you know, the, the the drum line always said at the back of the bus, <laughs> and um, we were back there, and and one of uh, my compatriots uh, mooned a passing car. And um, on the way home from a football game, and the car followed the bus back to the school <laughs> and told the bus driver, who consequently told the band director. And so the drum line, we had to sit on the back of the bus until someone confessed to to putting their butt on the window. <laughs> and um, we sat back there for about 30 minutes. And then eventually a person who whose butt cheeks were not the guilty butt cheeks said, all right, uh, I did it. And then all the rest of us went home and I guess that person got in trouble. But it kind of reminded me of that. Like in this case, Alex did do it, you know, Havoc did do it. But the whole idea of like, well, you guys all get away and I'll be the fall guy. And, you know, because. That's, you know, a worthy change is definitely me going to jail forever. <laughs> right. We can't right. just all escape. Um, and, be, 
Yeah, I did. The whole time I was reading this, like until we got to the end, I was like, well, wait a second. Beast is like walking around. How does he get out of this? Um, and then, you know, Alex does his thing. Um, so I don't know. It. Yeah, but aren't they still fugitives at the end? Because they fly away. Like, no, he makes like a deal. Like, if you capture right, me, right. I'll let my, my buddies go, right? And they're like, yeah. Right. And I know right. you will do what you say. But I felt yeah. like it, I don't know when I don't know when it was um, set because Kitty's like, oh, with the kids gone, and we're really low on X Men with what's happened. Oh. And I was well, like, and I know Sad Colossus is Sad Colossus, but I don't think he really would believe that. Oh. We were just lovers, and there was yeah. nothing. There was nothing there. Screw you! Like, I don't. I also don't think he would just make that up to be hurtful. So that that felt really weird to me. Um, I can see him moping and being like, "I don't want to talk about this," or or whatever. But I, I mean, the Colossus. I well, I don't know, though, because Colossus did also is, dump Kitty for a space alien. So maybe he would do that. <laughs> He can have parts turnarounds. Like when his his sister died, he totally sort of flipped, and he was like, Fuck "The X Men, I'm going up to Asteroid M to be with Magneto." And right. he was really harsh. He was really harsh with the X Men at that point too. So That's he true. can do that. Yeah. I, I, or it could be set up for a new Excalibur, and we have to do, we have to cut all of Kitty's ties to the X Men, so she has to go back to the lighthouse in England with oh. Kat. Um. But but I, I do kind of agree with you, uh, Texas Dan, that it didn't quite ring true with with Colossus. Even though he could be harsh sometimes, I don't feel like he would say what he said to Kitty in the way that he said it. Right. Yeah, it seemed weird. I but... just feel like it's bizarre. Even even the police's decision, uh, Havoc starts blasting the place, and they don't just put him down. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, our Kitty doesn't jump in to stop him. <laughs> Well, would, wouldn't to, I'm going to ask a question that may or may not be to Rosenberg's credit. Was the, uh, the Dazzler light bodies a new power, or have we seen that before? Uh, that was age, pretty cool. The Age of Apocalypse. Oh, uh, bummer. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another, another, oh. thing, another thing he has taken from that. Um, <laughs> fertile creative ground, I guess. Is that what we're going to call that? Um well, that's a bummer because I thought that was really cool. I was kind of hoping I could be positive for a second and say, you know, thanks for introducing that, but I guess not. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say the run overall was okay. I think if you replace Havoc with somebody else, the story actually kind of works. I think where I can trip, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. What I get tripped up on is that just some of the characters just don't really feel right. I, but... I think I think a major problem is is um when when this was announced, I think we were all like, oh, this cast looks interesting, blah blah. Um, I think a major problem is that this idea of the down on its look uh, X Men has been done by Peter David, and that's the problem. <laughs> um, because we've seen it before, and we've seen it done better. Yeah, and. And he aped that concept, as opposed in forging a new path for himself, as a, a new like story for himself. He, he aped the same concept of like I'm just gonna have the rejects or the people right. who think they're rejects, and then we'll bring back Banshee and just send him off again because now he's out in the world. I, I just hope somebody picks him up and does something with him. Um... Really, that powerful to begin with? Because like I read Gen X and he was good, but like. 
they make make him seem like the only person who could defeat a sentinel is Banshee, and you've got Colossus there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Warpath. When Havoc could blast through them as well. Yeah, think. Havoc can blast a fool. <laughs> to me, what I didn't like, and then uh, this also felt like it aped off of uh, Superior Foes because there are a number of panels where, in, in pages, not just this uh, issue, but other issues, where he sounds like Boomerang and he has that like shitting green grin like Boomerang. He does smile a lot in this issue. And he'll say, like, it hints at like he has a plan when he doesn't have a plan. It also feels very much like. Oh, I really enjoyed when Spencer was writing Boomerang. Maybe I can make right. havoc like that. He's uh, he's such a, and I'm I'm sorry, uh, L.A. Dan, but he's such a stereotypical California boy in this story. Like That's if, true. If, like he's he's the West Coast beach bum, and Cyclops is the the uh, rigid East Coaster. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Crazy. Even, like, even that could even that could be interesting. Yeah. It's, Right. Alright, well, so I would give this whole run a sideways thumb, but shaky. Shaky towards the downside. I think I didn't un- really like the art. I thought the art was really good. So Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say unfair that Land has made so many strides with his artistic um prowess recently to for me to give it a proper thumbs down. Yeah, but yeah. Like I feel like the writing and the ideas and the fact that it has no driving force makes me just drag my thumb down to the bottom. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give it a thumbs down, even though I shouldn't, because Land's Art's not too bad at all. Yeah, I, I almost need to separate it. Like, I'm going to give Land, uh, like, three-quarters thumb up <laughs> and give Rosenberg three-quarters thumb down. Right. And uh, that's where we are. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Well, um, Mr. and Mrs. X is also trucking along uh, with probably my favorite cover of the series so far on number five. Um, I really like Gambit and Rogue with the Star Jammers. It looks really cool. Um, now, I thought this issue was just, again, a lot of fun. It gets a little wordy, which Thompson doesn't normally do, so I'm willing to give it a pass. Um I still, even with that, still really enjoyed it quite a bit. So I would give, I would give thumbs up to Mr. And Mrs. X. It is quite interesting. Are we are we intrigued about the power upgrade that Rogue has acquired? Um, I'm on the fence. I will wait. I'm in wait and see what she does with it. Mode. I have disliked the fact that they de not depowered her, but they broke her power again. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of because I really I thought it was quite an earned moment in Mike Carey's run that she was given control of that power, and then right. the run about about her having control of the power and gaining confidence through her power, and it, even though it was like a Deus Ex Machina Xavier moment to start with, it actually Carey really went to town with it for like nearly fifty issues, um, so it feels like a definitive viewpoint on her and to have her just snap back was a bit sort of yeah it's frustrating uh, sure but i enjoyed the issue and i love the art even if the faces are a bit weird sometimes 
Right. Yeah, yeah. For me, the artwork is gorgeous, except for like the baby faces on the the, the women characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. But otherwise, I mean, it's just another example of Thompson really understanding character interaction and fun dialogue and interesting scenes. And uh, I'm just glad the book exists. I'm, it's a total thumbs up for me. Um, and it's I'm looking forward to see what they do moving forward because they're done with the space stuff for a while. So let's see what Rogue and Gambit can get up to back on Earth. Well, I'm excited because I think if I read this, the Witches right, I think David Lopez does a couple issues starting on number six. Nice. Yeah. Cool. That's so, okay, cool. Well, um, I think that's going to do it, Dan. Anything else we want to talk about? Um, no. <laughs> Are you ready to reabsorb us, Dan Prime? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm tired of talking to myself. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Well, um, why don't you, why don't you, Dan's, um, why don't you pimp your Excaladans podcast and uh, tell people what's going on there? Um, right. So uh, we just recorded our latest ish- issue episode, um, which will be out in the next day or two, and you can hear that on Podbean, um, Podbean.com forward slash Excalibros. You can find it easier if you find us on Twitter at Excalibros1. It will then probably be on SoundCloud, um, not SoundCloud, um, iTunes in like a couple of days after, and Stitcher and all the other good platforms that it's all linked to through that. I think that's it. Well, that's every, every element. <laughs> <laughs> the complete rundown. Anything to add, LA Dan? Uh, LA Dan seconds all of this. Um, please uh, check out our podcast. Uh, you know the next issue. So we we have uh, an episode as as Dan Prime mentioned that'll be out in a couple of days. But afterward, we're going to be doing a a Mojo special, Mojo Mayhem. Uh, so it's going to be like a the old uh, Excalibur team uh, delving into the Mojo world, uh, like fifty pages or so of Mojo greatness. Oh, quote wow. unquote. Quote unquote. I don't think I read that. Yeah. So I think, that'll... I think that means that we should get Jason on. That was it. the plan. Okay. All right. Uh, well, let's see if we can do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, is it on Marvel Unlimited? Yes. Okay. Cool. Yep. So we got that yep. going. Um, and I'd also like to ask everyone to please read Exiles because uh, what you know the artwork on Help that book it. alone. Help save is, it. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> worth continuing. Yeah. If I hear anything about that book going away, we will start a Twitter campaign of hashtag Save Exiles. That book is fantastic. Yep. All right. How about you, Texas Dan? Well, um, as always with the podcast that goes Dan, you can uh, like the Facebook page. Uh, Twitter is uh, at SnickCast. And, um, yeah, that's about it. So, Wait a second. So then when Wolverine... Let's the claws out. Is it Dan? Like a Dan sound effect? And when they go back in, is it a Nad sound effect? <laughs> oh, Nads. <laughs> you can't be my Nads, man. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. All right, then. It's canon. Cool. Well, um, thank you, Dan's uh, 
for hanging out today. And as usual, um, everyone, uh, we'll see you next time. And until then, uh, Dan's and Snicks. Bye. Bye. Uh, bye, guys. And Nads. <laughs> <laughs> no.